So we have no continuum in the modern world. We have trauma instead, intergenerational trauma. Welcome to NVC Life. I'm Rochelle Lamb, veteran NVC trainer and relationship coach, helping listeners navigate interpersonal conflict and ground more deeply into relational living. Greetings, fellow humans. Welcome to episode 82 of my NVC Life podcast. I want to give you a heads up that I'm giving serious thought to taking a break from podcasting, either indefinitely or uploading episodes less frequently. Each episode takes quite a bit of energy, certainly more than I had anticipated going into it. That's one thing. But another thing is that as I bear witness to how life is unfolding for humans and other life forms on the planet, I'm not sure that these weekly episodes actually contribute to life. I see life on planet Earth as we know it as being quite precarious, and so I I question the merit of my own attempts to make a dent as people scroll through their social media feeds while dedicated influencers troll for engagement with promises to overcome trauma, improve health, triple your income, discover your purpose, bake gluten-free cookies, watch cats do funny things, find a soulmate, lose 30 pounds, start a lucrative business, test for ADD, get a good night's sleep, start putting yourself first, write your autobiography, reduce inflammation, overcome anxiety. You get the drift, right? It's overwhelming. I'm well aware of the fact that NVC Life is just one of a grotesque number of shiny objects in an overcrowded stream of calls to attention that our planet simply doesn't need. When it comes to streams, the best streams are clear-flowing, and the aquatic life should remain largely unthreatened by human activity. All this to say I'm more compelled these days to head outdoors and listen to nature than I am to review Spotify analytics and work on ways to boost my listenership, even though I'm pleased to know that there are people who regularly tune in. Thank you if you do. I truly appreciate it. Anyway, I just wanted to let listeners in on my thinking regarding the future of my podcast. And so that's out of the way. Let's dive into this week's reflection. For most of my life, I've thought that civilization, while an interesting experiment, has produced pretty disastrous results, and that despite many genuinely good intentions, it doesn't appear to be making the world a better place in the long run. I recognize that even though life, including my life, may be better, by which I mean easier in many respects, than my ancestors, there are a good many people for whom the quality of life is extremely low. There was a quote that for the longest time I used to include in my training handouts. All of us know intuitively that we are not by nature savage beasts. Fewer, however, are aware that we are driven to some fairly beastly behaviors by enculturation, despite the fact that the process itself is supposed to prevent this. That quote comes from Joseph Chilton Pierce's book, The Biology of Transcendence, a Blueprint of the Human Spirit. 
The reason I valued Marshall Rosenberg so much was that I appreciated the emphasis he placed on enculturation and that it was his belief that human beings are not innately violent beasts, but that, at least in modern society, humans are educated to think and act in certain ways that increase the likelihood of violence. I've been teaching nonviolent communication for close to 24 years now, and I'm not encouraged by what I see in the world. I've come to the sorrowing conclusion that even if people learn to frame and address their interpersonal challenges through the lens of feelings and needs, if people are at the same time so profoundly removed from what life needs and what constitutes sound living, and then throw on top of that the unexamined and very recent practice in terms of human history of making one's personal identity central to one's decisions and actions. If that's what we're doing and throwing the needs and feelings template on top of that, it's unlikely that the very aliveness of the planet that supports and underwrites all life will receive any attention. Ongoing extraction and exploitation to the planet and its impact to indigenous communities are so normalized that they don't even enter our consciousness as we argue about who should take out the garbage or as we threaten to remove access to digital devices if our kids don't do their homework or clean their rooms, or we shut down and sulk because our spouse was 30 minutes late for dinner and didn't advise us. Discussing each of these with the aid of nonviolent communication may very well and often does support effective communication as well as helping people to do repair and come up with solutions to their interpersonal challenges. But it doesn't get at the root where we start to recognize that the environment itself in which these exchanges are occurring is in fact largely responsible for generating the problems to begin with, and that the human-made environmental conditions are terribly unsound and unsustainable. Years ago, I wrote a poem titled Imagine. You might say it carries the sentiment of John Lennon's Imagine in that it imagines that there is a way in which the world might live as one. I think I'm far less idealistic than Lennon was and this piece here offers a kind of recipe or pathway, if you will, that would be recognizable to our ancestors before colonization and exploitation became the norm. It would be recognizable as well by Indigenous peoples who either continued to live in the ways depicted in the poem or did until quite recently before falling prey to colonization. Here it is. Imagine this. You are born inside a mud and grass hut. Breath fills your lungs. Life. You hear soft voices. Hands reach out to hold you close. Skin. Breast. Milk. Mother. You are given a name, binding you to your purpose and lineage. You are firmly rooted. Home. The gauzy blur before your newborn eyes slowly reveals the many who have awaited you. Village. You are given stories to help you see and obey the natural order, to help you choose right living. Wisdom. The natural order surrounds you. 
You are embedded. This is how it is. Belonging. Forest, mountain, river, and creature, everything speaks the language of life. Creation. You are taught how you are inseparable from the web of life, how all things are joined. Kinship. You learn to pay heed, to listen to the land, to the winds and seasons, to the needs of all life. Respect. Your people help you to cultivate the capacity for humility, reverence, courtesy, and obligation. Etiquette. Elders instruct you, readying you, so that one day you may become an adult, elder, ancestor. Continuum. You learn to speak relationally. You learn to bring attentiveness to how language lives. Vigilance. You tend to what matters so that life can be nurtured by how you live your days. Stewardship. And if your story is more lostness and tragedy than it is sanity and coherence, you work to remember. Redemption. Trauma does not consign you to choose between victim and oppressor. You are capable of more. Human. Imagine this. From your grief and labors, you can craft a different life for those to inherit this world. Benediction. So yeah, whether or not we have any lived memory of this, we are all descendants of people who once lived in this way. People who lived in direct connection with the earth, with nature, who were not separate from it. People who were deeply mothered, nursed, homed, villaged, and eldered. People who took instruction from nature, from the seasons, from the natural order, and were guided by wholesome traditions that helped to maintain a cultural cohesiveness. I think one of the greatest curses to befall us, which I've mentioned in one, if not more, previous episodes, is the generation gap. The generation gap is defined as the distance between two or more generations, not only in years, but in values, views, outlooks, expectations. I return to my poem, Elders instruct you, readying you, so that one day you may become an adult, elder, ancestor. Continuum. So we have no continuum in the modern world. We have trauma instead. Intergenerational trauma. That's the modern, misguided rite of passage for our young people. The social media feeds abound with programs to help you extricate yourself from the toxicity and abuse perpetrated upon you by your family of origin. In a matter of months or even weeks, you can sign up for a cathartic program that will heal you and your ancestors. Now, it's not my intention to be dismissive of those kinds of offerings. It's not like people don't receive any benefit from these things. I'm simply suggesting pointing out that our situation is grave and requires equal gravity in terms of interventions. In conversations that I have with parents, I regularly hear how when kids hit eight or nine years of age, it's the beginning of those kids starting to view their parents as stupid, backwards, old school, behind the times, controlling, etc., screaming matches and meltdowns about chores, homework, sleepovers, screen time, 
it starts there. And then as they get older, it moves to things like, you think you know everything, asshole. As you explain the good reasons why you worry about your 14-year-old smoking marijuana every day. Meanwhile, they bolt out of the house, slamming the door behind them. It reminds me of the quote attributed to Mark Twain. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant. I could hardly stand to have the old man around, but when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. The thing is, times have changed significantly since that quote started circulating in 1915. That's over 100 years ago. And a good many 21-year-olds today have little fondness, let alone respect for their parents or elders. Elders, can I even use that term? It's actually pretty meaningless in our current times. A little side note here. I'm not saying that all older people behave respectably. They don't. Nor am I saying that all young people wrongfully disrespect older generations. They don't. I'm noting, though, that there is increasing disregard and mistrust between the generations, which I see as a loss of continuum and sign of societal fragmentation. Consider the following. When I deliver NBC trainings and ask participants to break into groups and create a list of needs, people typically come up with very similar words on their respective lists. Love, respect, connection, honesty, meaning, purpose, etc. Here's something to know, though. When I'm working with Indigenous communities, as I often do here in Canada and especially here in BC where there's a strong Indigenous presence, there are words that are included in the needs list that don't make it onto settler lists. Words like teachings, ceremony, elders, respect for elders, honoring ancestors, the medicine wheel, caretaking, hunting and gathering. I say amen to that. There can't be a healthy continuum if nothing sustaining is carried forward from one generation to the next. Lostness, alienation, disillusionment, not knowing who you are, where you're from, where you belong, identity politics being the only thing left to be claimed by and to stand up for. That's malignant trauma. And it's hurting all of us, especially our young people. I return to the end of my poem. And if your story is more lostness and tragedy than it is sanity and coherence, you work to remember redemption. Trauma does not consign you to choose between victim and oppressor. You are capable of more. Human. Imagine this. From your grief and labors, you can craft a different life for those to inherit this world. Benediction. Thank you for listening, friends. May we find within ourselves the strength and resolve to remagnetize humanity's compass to what deeply matters by starting with our own compass. Thank you for tuning into NBC Life. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. For free resources or to book a private session with me, head over to rochellelam.com. Until the next time, stay sane, grateful, and generous.